Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. News today that Israel's war cabinet was briefed on talks in Paris with mediators from Egypt, Qatar, and the United States over a possible ceasefire deal in Gaza, which would see the return of Israeli hostages held by Hamas, as well as the release of Palestinian prisoners being held in Israel. And as another news story, you maybe have heard it, in, uh, in Tel Aviv, police broke up a protest calling for the resignation of Prime Minister Netanyahu. Ambassador Vivian Berkovich joins us. She's the former Canadian ambassador to Israel, and she joins us from Tel Aviv. Ambassador, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you, Roy? I'm, I'm doing just fine. We, we will get you on the Zoom link uh, at, at the break. Thank you for calling in. There's always something that seems to misfire, and then uh, it must be me. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Paris talks, seeking agreement on a ceasefire? What are your thoughts on that, first of all? Oh, it's such a tough issue. Um, everyone here just desperately wants and needs those hostages released. Um, it's been an agonizing almost five months. And so the fact that there is something real going on that offers, you know, a glimmer of hope is is beyond welcome. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a mixed bag though because the terms of course are always you know um stacked against israel i mean you know for every civilian that uh israel will release we're talking about three or four convicted terrorists i mean these aren't nice people this isn't these aren't people who were you know throwing stones or you know um convicted of minor um minor sort of uh you know security related offenses these are suicide bombers and really serious Terrorists like Yisrael Sinwar, who was released in a previous deal. So you know, there's the ratio of three or four to one. Um, you know, terrorists to civilians, um, and uh, the the negotiation terms seem to indicate that um, Hamas will, you know, decide as always who which Israelis they'll release without telling anyone in advance where they dictate the list of, you know, who Israel releases. Um, so they're talking about releasing about 40. They still hold 134 Israelis, and among those are a few Thai nationals. Um, and apparently the terms are that about around, they're saying 40 will be released. Um, and the first people to release will be women, uh, children, which, of course, Hamas says they don't have, but they may. Um, women, children, elderly, and sick. Well, those categories alone come to way more than 40. Um, so not sure how they're counting them. And we also don't know how many have died in captivity. Of the 134, Israel says that uh, 29 are now uh, dead, murdered. Um, Hamas uh, apparently says that number is higher. So the terms are, you know, this hostage release, um, six-week pause in the fighting, which I think is a really good thing. Uh, no one wants to be fighting over Ramadan. It'll just be horrific. Um, and those are the main terms. Those are the main terms. So I think everyone here is, is, is buoyed by the possibility that 
hostages may be released and devastated by the possibility and likelihood that many will remain in captivity. Yeah. Um, are you hopeful that this is going to be achievable or are you, are you doubtful knowing the, 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 the countries that are involved in the, in the negotiations? Look, I, I, I know no more than anyone else. Um, am I hopeful that there will be? Yes, I am. Because I think that um, Hamas desperately needs a reprieve um, from the fighting. Uh, it, we we know that there's uh, that Sinwar has been cut off from uh, the Qatar-based leadership for probably a few weeks now. Um, their supplies are low. They're very. They seem to be disorganized. Having said that, there are still four brigades of Hamas fighters and some of the toughest fighters based in Rafah, um, and Israel is determined to, you know, make sure that they don't retain their military strength. And they'll resume a military operation after a six-week, you know, pause in fighting. So, I mean, both sides want and need a break, you know. Um, the, the civilian aid has, the humanitarian aid has to get in. Um, and everybody knows that. Uh, there's tons going through Israel. There's virtually none coming through Egypt. Um, so maybe the international community can put some pressure on Egypt and Hamas to, to get it through there. And anything that will bring hostages home um, makes me hopeful. Anything that leaves hostages there in their medieval tunnels just devastates. You know, I mean, I, I'm kidding myself. But yes, I'm hopeful that something will come out of this. Because both sides need it. And Qatar needs it. Let's not forget, like, Qatar is allied with Hamas and Iran, okay? And this whole um, episode, you know, the last five months, has really allowed Qatar to kind of step up and, and burnish its international image as the kind of, you know, the mediator, the go-between, the trusted emissary. And um, the fact is, they're trusted by Hamas. That we need them, uh, you know. I mean, the Qataris have a tremendous amount to gain, and at the end of the day, they control Hamas. The Hamas leadership resides in Qatar. Um, you know, the, the Hamas receives lots and lots of money, more than the cash envelopes you referred to when you were discussing Gibo. Um, you know, literally suitcases full of you know hundreds of millions of dollars constantly. So you know, it's in everyone's interest to have a pause here. Qatar looks good. Hamas needs it. Israel desperately wants it. Mm -hmm. We had another news story today about um, a protest, significant protest, right. we're told, against uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu. And Israelis oh. uh, wanting him out of office and seeing him as a, uh, an issue, a problem, in getting the hostages back. Is that what's, is that what's happening? Night that, that turned violent. Um, there were a few thousand uh, protesters outside of the IDF headquarters in Tel Aviv. And I, I, based on my understanding of what went on, and I actually almost went, uh, didn't at the last minute, my understanding is it was a real mixed bag of everybody. You know, there's like the hardcore BB's got to go. Um, there are the, you know, let's have elections crowd, which aren't necessarily BB's got to go, but we need elections. Why? Because um, this government has lost the confidence of the people, very obvious in poll after poll. It's not a kind of, you know, one-off thing. And um, 
in my view, and I think many Israelis share this view, is uh, that they, they simply don't have the mandate to do what they've been doing for the last you know, year and a half almost since, since this coalition was formed. Um, they've moved forward on some very bold, um, fundamental, you know, changing uh, the nature of state institutions in Israel, and uh, they did not have the mandate for those kinds of initiatives. So that's what the protests last year were all about. And then, of course, with the war, the protests kind of stopped. Um, and they're going to start up again, and it's going to be worse because uh, the government is seen to not have legitimacy. Um, there's a tremendous crisis of um, confidence in the government and in in the top brass of the military, because, I mean, let's not forget how this happened. It was a complete failure and breakdown of the great and storied IDF, you know, that Hamas just kind of rampaged through. So people are really angry and mistrustful and have lost confidence, and they want to have a say, and they need a say. Because we're in for a long haul. We're going to have, you know, there's going to be a war in the Northern Front. Everyone knows that. Gaza's not over. Um, it's a very extreme government. And most people don't support it and don't want it. So to me, it's about, you know, a lot of people have very strong views about Bibi. Um, and he's the prime minister, of course. But I think it's, it's about a lot more than just Bibi. Mm -hmm. My guest is Vivian Berkovich, former Canadian ambassador to Israel, who's joining us from Tel Aviv. By the way, I should tell you as well, uh, have a look at uh, stateoftelaviv.com, stateoftelaviv.com, deciphering Israel right to left. Uh, weekly newsletter and podcast, which is hosted by Ambassador Berkovich. Uh, can you just talk to us, please, about, and this is such a volatile issue internationally, mm -hmm. as you know, Rafa and the IDF. Mm -hmm. What about it? What's well, what, going on? What, what can you tell us? What, what, what do we need to know? So Rafah is uh, a city in normal times, as in not war times. I think it's about 250, 300,000 people, southern uh, tip of the Gaza Strip, uh, borders with Egypt, and um, has become a real hub for Hamas for a number of reasons. Um, one is that other operational divisions of Hamas that have been further north in the Strip have been pushed south by the IDF, and that's intentional to concentrate them. Um, and the other is that there are massive tunnels uh, that operate between um, Egypt and the Gaza Strip, massive, which um, is how most of the weapons uh, that Hamas uses that come from Iran, North Korea, and other places like that, uh, how they're smuggled into the Gaza Strip. So and you and Egypt, on the other hand, though, is very, um, very opposed to Hamas, hates Hamas. Um, Hamas is a branch of the Muslim Brotherhood, which is a fundamentalist Islamist organization started in Egypt uh, many decades ago. And the current government of Egypt is uh, very, very strongly opposed to Muslim Brotherhood. So, you know, you may have seen photos recently in the in the media of the refortification of the border between Egypt and the Gaza Strip. It's mm -hmm. just wild, you know? Yeah. Rows and rows of barbed wire and walls and ditches and turrets and, I mean, it makes Israel look like a playground, our borders. So um, what's happening now is a, the population in Rafah has swelled because there are many displaced uh, Palestinians from other parts of the Gaza Strip who have fled to Rafah for safety. There are about a million and a half people in there. 
and um, Israel is determined to do this uh, final assault on Rafah to root out Hamas. Um, and there's no question that Hamas is there. What's going on is uh, Israel is working hard and trying to move the displaced in Rafah and other civilians to various sites where they would, you know, set up kind of temporary uh, shelter uh, camps, you know, with tents and and the facilities and the food that they need. But there are a lot of forces uh, within the Palestinian um, communities in in uh, in the Gaza Strip and as well Hamas that that blocks this kind of movement because they use the civilians as human shields. So that's the whole Rafa thing. At the moment, it has become this focus of so much activity. Mm-hmm. No one knew what Rafa was two weeks ago, but now the whole world does. <laughs> yeah, now the whole world does. Let me just yeah. bring the focus uh, on this country. Mm. And and uh, you've, you've been singularly unimpressed <laughs> with, I could say other things, but you've been singularly unimpressed with mm-hmm. Prime Minister Trudeau and Foreign Affairs Minister Jolie. Mm. But you were very impressed with the visit to Israel by former Prime Minister Stephen Harper, who appointed you the ambassador, Canadian ambassador, to Israel. Has anything changed your view of Mr. Trudeau and Madame Jolie? And talk to us a little bit, please, about Mr. Harper's visit. Um, no, nothing. I mean, you're being very charitable as you, in the way in which you present my views. And thank you for that. Um, Nothing has changed. If anything, day by day, my views of the, those two just gets worse. Um, I think their, I think their understanding of um, global geopolitics is uh, non-existent. Complex geopolitics um, is just laughable, and um, they just flail. And they also, while they flail, say and do very, very damaging and stupid things. And they've destroyed Canada's, you know, standing internationally, not just in the Middle East. I mean, not just in Israel, not just among other countries, uh, with other countries in Israel, but I think globally, I don't think, well, I don't think, I know that Canada's just not taken seriously anymore. I mean, it's it's embarrassing how we conduct ourselves on the international stage. I mean, the contrast is, you know, um, Stephen Harper was here for really about 36 hours. It was quite um, an extraordinary visit. Uh, I. He's been here a few times on private, but he's very low key. You know, that's his approach, unlike the others. And it's it's amazing. I know that uh, he was wildly warmly received. Taxi drivers, you know, still remember who Stephen Harper is and was and love him. Um, he received so much positive attention here and not it wasn't organized and, you know, government. It was really spontaneous kind of. Um, genuine affection from the people here who understand how supportive he was and not blindly supportive, but Stephen Harper understands um, geopolitics and it's not about, you know, agreeing with everything BB does or doesn't do. It's about understanding uh, the place of Israel, uh, not just in the Middle East, but kind of as the vanguard of pushing back Islamists and very violent Islamists. And uh, they're they're on the doorstep. They're on the front porch in the West, too. Like the stuff that went down in Israel on October 7th, you know, um, can happen anywhere. So one of the best stories, though, I was speaking with uh, someone very close to only I only have about 30, I only have about 30 seconds. I'm sorry. Okay. 
Um, now he just went to a kibbutz and there was a visiting group and every single person, you know, recognized him and stopped and wanted a selfie and uh, he was kind of tickled about that. Did you say selfie? That's the other guy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.